Today on the podcast, we have myself, Michael Adams, and I'm joined by David McCormick. Again, we're out of, we're all out of John Rahimi for the time being. Hopefully he'll be back soon, but you know, until then we're holding it down. We're all hurting. We still miss John, but overall, I know um, as we're recording this, Michael, although it probably won't be released for a couple of weeks, happy Cinco de Mayo. It is Cinco de Mayo. I thought of that actually when we were recording our previous podcast about 10 minutes ago, um, yeah, it will be a little bit late. <laughs> Oops. You know, David, this past weekend, I watched uh, a t-ball game. My nephew had his first ever t-ball game. And it's actually the first of any of my nieces and nephews to have an organized sporting event, which is very exciting because I, as you know, I'm a big sports person. Yes. Um, there was no sports betting on the side for t-ball games. I, That's I, tragic. I expected something on the sports book to come through of me being able to put some down on if my nephew had hit a home run or not in his first t-ball game. Was not able to, which, you know, maybe. What's the point change. of going then? Maybe, yeah. maybe we should change that, David. We should just start a betting service for little kids sports. Uh, sounds like a, a major degenerate thing. But <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah, that would be a very tough look. <laughs> No, we, we will not be doing that. But I bring it up because, David, you're such a master pitcher at softball. And I don't know if you've ever seen a t-ball game, but they're a lot more entertaining than I expected them to be. I don't think I've ever, like, I think I've, like, been at parks while they've been going on, but I don't think I've ever actually, like, sat down and watched one. You know, the skill level it might not be quite there for like, they might not be the MLB quite yet. You know, there's a lot of drop balls, you know, uh, but it, it's really entertaining because every time someone gets a hit, you just have like 10 little kids swarm to the ball at the same time. No concept of team. Everyone's like diving on top of each other, ripping the ball out of each other's hands, trying to get it and throw it back to home, uh, which is just very cute. But there were a couple of times where kids would start running and it looked like one of those fail compilation videos where, uh, somebody's running and all of a sudden like you hear like the, the gunshot, like the sniper sound and they just like slowly fall and face plant. And there, were, there were multiple occasions of little kids, like their, their feet just moving too fast for the rest of their body and just tumbling over in the middle of the game, running to first base. And I sit next to my dad. And at one point, the very first person who does it, my dad sees it and just bursts out laughing. And I'm like punching him in the thigh, like, dude, shut up. There is a parent here watching right now. And you're just laughing at their kid. I was like, I wish it would have been my nephew who fell because I would have laughed and felt okay about it then. But uh, it's interesting. You can see the competitiveness already, though, of people being like, all right, like, hit a home run. <laughs> Put the pressure on the kids from like the age of four. <laughs> you're oh, like, okay, calm down over there just a little bit. Yeah, I hit. My junior of high school, I co I could coach. I refed third grade boys soccer, I want to say fourth grade boys soccer in Naperville. And so those of you who do not know, Naperville is a suburb of Chicago. My goodness, the parents, you would think I was refing the World Cup. The amount of times like the parents and coaches, like I had to like defend myself or like they're just being just like the general ridiculousness. Like we were playing and it's freaking park district soccer. So there's a yellow team and a blue team. Like they just depend, they show up and you decide who's yellow, who's blue. And like the yellow team is down like seven, nothing. And we're not even playing on a full size field. It's like a smaller field with smaller goals. The kids are like seven and the ball goes like out of bounds. And like, I couldn't really see, it looked like it went off, but probably about both kids at the same time. 
And I'm like, you know what? I'll give it to the yellow team because they're losing seven to nothing. And there's like two minutes left. And I just get this parent in my ear who's like, oh my goodness, ref, are you blind? Like that's blue ball or oh my goodness. And I was like, dude, like one, this is third grade boy soccer. I'm going to need you to take a chill pill. And also like, are you really mad that your son's team is down seven, nothing? And I'm giving the ball to the other team. There was just like a lot of things where I was like, some people need to just check their priorities and like just a lot of just like, I had to defend myself against parents and coaches like way more than I would have expected Mm -hmm. at that level. It was kind of sad, but there was at one point where like the goalie, cause the kids like eight years old, picked up the, the goalie, picked up the ball and like accidentally like walked into his own net. And so I was actually roughing with my younger brother, Johnny, and we like called it a goal because it is. And we just had this coach just like threw his hat and is just like making a big scene of it. And we're like, <laughs> the only, and after a while, this might've been the most charitable thing, but after a while, like John and I were just kind of done dealing with this guy. And we're like, you know, a coach just teach your goalie to not walk, to not run into his own net. We won't have any problems. And the coach <laughs> did not like that. Though. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the parent I expect you to be at, uh, at T-ball games. Uh, you know, my competitive nature. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to have somebody like taping my mouth shut more than likely for most sporting events during my life. But I know you're, you are a volleyball fan and you played volleyball. Um, I know your, your family is as well. And the one story maybe I'll share about interactions with a ref came from our women's uh, volleyball team in high school. And, you know, we were pretty good our senior year and we were in the playoffs and whatnot, but it was a regular season game. We're playing a rival and there's, there's a pretty questionable call. We'll put it that way of whether the ball is in or out and it went against us and somebody in our student section actually gets out of the student section walks up to the ref, you know, like the one on the ladder on top, like the, on the net takes his glasses off and hands them to the referee and goes, I think you need these immediately kicked out. I mean, immediately thrown out. I would have kicked that kid out so quickly. I mean, it was hilarious. Oh, I know. Like that's like, that definitely is hilarious. But then if you think about that from the ref's perspective, like, he or she is just trying to do the best they can. <laughs> like, definitely not getting paid enough to be there. Yeah, it's like, dude, I'm literally getting paid $30 to spend an hour at a high school volleyball game. I don't need your stuff. I, I just do not need that attitude right now. And you just get some smarmy high school kid who's just doing it to show up for their friends. Oh, my God. That is hilarious, but that's a that's tough. Yeah, hilarious response. Felt terrible for the ref because, I mean, it wasn't even like it was just in front of the student section, but it's in front of the entire crowd. And then, of course, like you have high school kids like, oh, oh, my gosh, did you see that? Like going crazy yeah. about like the entire interaction uh, did not go well for the kid, though, I think. No. In the end. <laughs> I think that's like a prime example of something that you think is super cool, like when you're in high school and then or like junior high, you know, things you think are super cool or funny. And then you get older and you're like, actually, that was just mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, actually, that was just kind of a jerk move guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so I, I can't wait to hear your stories of, of competitiveness at um, now that you have a nephew in the sports world. I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. Uh, I, I think I've gotten quite a bit better at controlling my competitive nature and like holding it internally, yeah. at least all of my thoughts that I typically would say out loud to people, which has definitely been better. But yeah, you, you are aware of my mm-hmm. hothead tendencies. 
in the sporting world. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. The last, th- the last thing I'll say about this is like, I, you know, there's a lot of things to be thankful for, but I'm so thankful. Like that. My parents were never the yellers. Like oh my, my parents were very much of like, they were very good about just being like, we'll just be there to watch the game. They might cheer a little bit, but like never yelling at me or just like, and then seeing like some of my teammates, parents or like parents, of the opposing team. I'm like, thank goodness. Cause I think that would have just ruined sports for me growing up. Yeah, no, I, I had a couple of people that I've played with in the past that had that. And I mean, they despised the sport after a while. It's like, this just isn't fun for me. You're taking literally all the joy out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. So Michael, so David, I, I kind of want to jump into our topic today. What we're gonna what we're gonna talk about? Let's do it. What do you, What do you got for me today? So, have you ever heard of people saying that like they're spiritual but not religious? I mean, it's one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. Oh, good. <laughs> so I, I take it. What just like what are like your initial thoughts? Like, yeah, you've heard it, and like what context? Uh, you know that that's. I have a lot of thoughts. I know good, good. It's, it, to some degree, it just is very frustrating because it feels like people are trying to fill a gap in their lives. And it's like they're close, but there's some like deep misunderstanding. Um, and oftentimes, like you hear the claim where uh, I can be spiritual, but I don't have to be religious. Like I can acknowledge that there is something spiritual in the world but I don't want to like accept religion. And I think honestly, what comes of that is that there's an inclination in the heart where, you know, that the religion, like you're like, you know, there's something good in that, but you don't want to have to deal with all of the implications that comes with being religious. And so you deny anything that comes about practicing religion, like going to church, you know, living a good life, all those things. And you try to make a religion out of yourself. And it's like, I can be spiritual, do whatever I want and kind of fall back on the idea of like, I believe that there is a soul or there's something spiritual in the world that's guiding us or leading us. And I think it's a a misplaced Mm -hmm. desire, really. Mm -hmm. That's a hot take. And it probably is a little, not the most charitable way I could put it, but that's kind of my first initial thought. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I I would say I'm I'm kind of in agreement of that. Like, um, yeah, to clarify before, like, I don't, it is not my intention to sound like high and mighty. I did some research on this cause I was curious, like talking about with some friends. Um, but like, just to start off, I get where people are coming from with it. Like I totally do. Like you feel you're acknowledging that there's something else that's, that's there, but exactly. You don't want to join a religion. You don't want to slap a label on it. You're not, you might not be sure or, um, or you just don't have a full understanding of necessarily like let's say like specifically like Catholicism or Christianity, you don't really actually fully understand it. You just know what other people have told you, which might not be positive things. You might've only seen very negative things about Christianity or about the church. And well, like, I don't want to put myself through that. So just like start, like I do get where people are coming from. Like, however, I'm going to challenge it. I'm going to give a little bit of a pushback. Yeah. And I think one of the things it sounds like you are as well. Yeah. I, I might try to play a little bit of the devil's advocate though for you as well. Um, to give people that perspective. And, you know, one of the things I'd maybe first say from like a spiritual versus religious side is, um, can someone be spiritual while not believing in a God? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And that's like a, that's a great question. I think from that you'd have to, I think one of the biggest things is like, you have to ask the person questions as, as a, with anything, with any good dialogue, you need to figure out what the base is. You need to ask them questions um, and fan, truly figure out what it is that they believe um, and do that in a charitable way. And that's really how you can have productive discussions. But I think like with this, there's kind of like two different arguments here that I researched a lot on like Catholic answers and just different Catholic speakers on this. Um, and there's kind of two different arguments here. There's one that's just like the general, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I don't want to slap any type of religion on it. And there's the other that's spiritual, but not religious, but in the specific aspect of Christianity. So there's some Christians that are like, I'm spiritual, but I'm not like any type of Christianity. Like I'm not like religious. Um, and so with one, I have a ton of like scripture in there, like backing up, I think like why the Catholic church believes what we believe. However, if the other one, if they don't see scripture, if they don't believe in it, then you can't really use scripture because that's not a common base that you have. I'm not saying that scripture is not valid, but it won't be valid to that person. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So I think like trying to kind of, I guess, attack, attack, attack like the initial, but it's like the general spiritual, but not religious, not even like related to Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, the, the like quick, the quick throat kind of way to go about it is like, um, and I don't think this is productive, but just to be like, um, that like, do you believe or worship or believe in like a superhuman controlling power, especially like a personal God or gods? And then if that person were to say, yes, you're like, congratulations, that's the definition of religion. <laughs> um, I don't think that's productive to do, Yeah, but like that is, that is the definition. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think it is possible to, to answer your question. I do think it's possible to believe in like spirits, but not necessarily God. But then I would just kind of ask like, where do you think those spirits come from? Yeah. Yeah. There is kind of, it's a never ending hole that you can kind of keep diving into there. Uh, and I guess one of my questions I would have is if you believe that there maybe is like a super all powerful being controlling everything uh, as you kind of said and like oh congratulations like you've arrived at religion and it kind of goes back to that whole idea of like where people are spiritual but not religious in the whole just in the christian realm of things and i think one of my questions is and probably something that they would have as well for you and again i'm going to play devil's advocate because i think it's maybe more productive Go for it. would be uh how can you actually truly be religious when there are so many different religions out there you know why can't i just be spiritual and believe in being a good person you know people who like believe in karma believe in like that kind of those kind of spirits those kinds of things like why can't i just hold on to that because there's already so much confusion with organized religion and there's so much division in different directions like even just in christianity you know why should i care about that why can't i just take it for what i truly think it is because in my life, in my spirituality, really, shouldn't everything just be subject to me and my experience? That's a really good point. And I think that's fair. And I think a lot of people are probably at that. And that makes sense. Um, however, though, just because there's a variety of things that could be does not mean that the answer doesn't exist. So if you have a test and there's six different options, well, there's so many options. Well, one of them is 
going to be right. Wouldn't you like to know what that is? Um, instead of just saying, well, there's too many options. I'm not going to answer the question. Um, because I think like my whole thing is I think that maybe we can find some common ground is that if you were keeping it completely subjective, right? It's a hundred percent on your thoughts and feelings for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. It's whatever I think, or whatever I feel I'm doing, I would counter that with, have you ever thought something and been wrong? Have you ever felt something and been wrong? I know I have a lot. So mm-hmm. I guess at that point, what you're doing is you're settling for a flawed system. Mm-hmm. Thoughts can be manipulated. Feelings can be manipulated. So if that is like your basis, that is like what I'm holding on to is truth. Well, already we can acknowledge that that's flawed. Um, and I guess the question is like, does that person want to seek out truth? And I think it just helps us to ask a bunch of, a bunch of different questions because ultimately people, I think it's kind of seen as like the cool neutral answer. Like I'm spiritual, but not religious. Like again, I say makes sense. Like I, I, I sympathize, understand where that's coming from. However, you can't really be neutral in this. Like ultimately, I don't know if you've heard, they say like everyone has a God. It might be from a certain religion. It could be money. It could be approval of others, but like you, whether or not you agree with it, like everyone has one. Mm -hmm. And I'd argue more often than not, if you're spiritual, but not religious, your God is yourself and your own like thoughts, feelings, and desires. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. And I, I do have friends who have this mindset and I do think that's something similar that I've seen play out in their lives. Um, but maybe a counter would be how are we defining spiritual? Cause if I just define spiritual, like, you know, this guiding force kind of, something that kind of, you know, it's kind of how people are like something guiding me, leading me, guiding my decisions, maybe. Um, and, you know, religion in itself is typically painted like good versus evil. Um, as someone who's spiritual, but not necessarily religious in one way or the other, uh, I could just say, you know, if I'm a, being a good person, if I'm treating others good, I'm treating them well, I'm adding to the world rather than taking away from it. Like my overall existence is benefit to the world more than it is taking away from the world. Um, why do I, why do I actually need to seek out more? Like, why can't I just be good enough where that is? Um, and even if I am spiritual, I believe that there is some superior being, um, or God, I guess, in what way should I actually trust humans to tell me what the answer to that is? Like, why, why couldn't it just be like this self growth and self knowledge and answer that I come to myself? Yeah, absolutely. I think with that, well, first, like ultimately to get, you're going to have to have a discourse about like about who Jesus Christ is at some point. If it, if it is going to be a productive conversation, you have to have a defensive Jesus, like in his divinity and his church. However, just for the sake of this, we're not, we're not going to necessarily dive into that. But kind of what you said, I would kind of answer, I kind of have two different answers to that. Um, and I'm not saying that these are perfect, but just kind of like if I was, in, if I was having this conversation, um, one, I would ask like that person, like, have you ever, um, like, have, has someone ever like failed to like love you in the correct way? Or have someone, has someone ever given you like an answer that you were not like happy or content with and you wanted to like seek more out? But I guess the majority of people would answer yes. I think that kind of just shows that like as human beings, we desire truth and we desire love. And 
even in that, even in just answering those questions, you show that what we're currently getting is not going to fulfill us. And when, if you're not being loved the correct way or someone's at like, or someone's giving you an answer, you're not happy with it. You we're human beings who desire to seek it out, to seek out truth. And I think with looking for, you know, the answer to that question, you are striving to, you know, fulfill, you know, that void. And God is like the, you know, perfection of truth and love. And the, I guess kind of like the, the, the other way I would kind of do is I would just ask them, like, what does it mean to be a good person? Like, I think that's something is like, it sounds good, but like people have different definitions of what does it mean to be a good person? I had, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and he was also kind of playing devil's advocate. He was like, oh, well, it's whatever makes you and others feel good. I'm like, well, great. It would, it might make you, if you're a parent and you decided not send your kid to school when they're younger for a long period of time, it makes you feel good. It makes the kid feel good because they don't have to go to school. You might feel good because you might not have to drop them off or it's kind of a weight off your shoulders. But like ultimately is that, is that good? Like, is that, is that what's right? And mm-hmm. I would guess the majority of people would probably answer no. Mm-hmm. Again, that's just like a small example, just showing that, that truth, that truth exists. So I guess I would kind of dive into like, what do they think is being a good person? Cause yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of flaw in that logic. Yeah. I think maybe something to point out here would be that if there is someone who is spiritual there is some nugget of belief in something beyond human comprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some nugget of belief in the infinite. And I guess maybe you could look at this from both ways, from maybe the side arguing towards religion and against just like that spiritual, but not religious side. Um, who are you to be the decider of those things? You and your finite being, because um, we are finite beings, we are not infinite. So how can you trust your own mind to make decisions of the infinite or to, you know, provide yourself with quote unquote rules to guide your life um, towards the infinite? Uh, if we're looking for how to be a good person or we're looking how to live a good life or um, how to find meaning maybe in this life, because I think that's one of those big questions that you hear people who are like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And it's like, well, how are you spiritual? It's usually a claim of understanding of how the world is the meaning of life, how you're supposed to live it. And it's like, well, what is the establishing factor of that? Are you establishing that? Are you, is someone else in your life establishing that? Um, And really shouldn't that establishing factor come straight from the designer and straight from that infinite powerful being that you quote unquote believe in? Um, And then if that's the case, well, you have to now determine who is that infinite being. Mm -hmm. And you have to find out who is actually giving that because there are plenty of options. I mean, there's a plethora of options of who it could be. And just from that world, if you come at it from, I'm not religious. And so there has to be some sort of desire for the truth before really any progress can be made. But I think something I want to also point out is like, you know, people are just oftentimes indifferent. You know, they don't care. They're happy with how their life is. And you coming into their life and saying, you know what? That's not good enough. You need to be doing this too. If I'm them, I'm going to say, like, why? I'm happy. My life's good. 
I'm a quote unquote good person by the definition of the world. Why would I need more? And I think really the only thing that can come after that is something that you alluded to earlier. It comes down to a true experience with Christ. And that can come in the form of you sharing your own defense and your own experience and your own transformation. But we also have to be okay with people just saying, you know what, we agree to disagree. And I think that's one of the hardest things that we can come to terms with is that we can have these discussions, we can debate till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, nothing changes in their hearts without Christ. We are not going to change them. We are not going to suddenly transform this person into being the next Mother Teresa. Like we're just not going to do that. Uh, There has to be something internally in them that starts turning and starts ticking. Um, And the best way we can do that is through perseverance in their life, in friendship and in witness, but also sharing our own religion, sharing the things that we find beautiful about our religion and sharing with them kind of glimpses of that truth. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I completely agree. I think that they're, that like if we look at the example of like John the Baptist, ultimately the it's going to be an encounter in Christ, right? Like we are not going to convince them through anything, but it's also like very important to be praying for them. Yeah, and using our life as an example. And I think something that I found helpful, as I said before, just asking questions, just having them articulate like what they believe, um, or just like or just asking follow up questions. Like I know something that's like really interesting. It's like if you believe that there, you know, is is a God or a controlling being and that there are spirits, um, there's nothing really informing that belief. And a lot of times you can't really answer basic questions about that. Like, who are these spirits? Like, are they good? Are they on your, like, are they on your side? Who is God? Like, what's his, like, who are you? What's his like goal of living? Like general questions that I'm not saying you're gonna be able to convince someone, but I think it, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to have people ponder these. I, mean, I don't think that I think it's good to, you know, to, to bring these questions up. And ultimately I think you'd want to, you know, depending the situation, how to do it, but like ultimately, yeah, you'd want to hope for an encounter in Christ and you want to do this all in like a loving way. But I do think that there is a point that if someone is saying like, I'm spiritual, but not religious, obviously like, don't be a jerk about it. But like there is, but like, I also don't think it's very helpful to kind of be like, yep, okay, that makes sense. Like, on your way. Like, I think it's kind of that fine line. And I think I said, I think the good approach is just asking questions about what they believe and seeing, is there anything that you all agree on? Is there anything, are there any discrepancies? And something that I just kind of want to point out is like, that more often than not being like spiritual, but not religious, it's just like a, it's just kind of a vague idea that someone else controls. Like it's a vague idea or a vague understanding of God that someone else controls that ultimately like is subject to that. But I completely agree with you that um, ultimately like what we should be striving for is for them to have an encounter with Christ and to share that with them in like a charitable way. But yeah, I was just kind of very intrigued because I think, I think it's something that like is becoming, I don't say more common, but I've been hearing it a little bit more and it makes sense. Cause it seems, as you said, it seems like that middle ground, Um, it seems that, you know, yeah, I can just kind of be a good person, but also in that stance, the person's acknowledging that there is a higher being, 
potentially they're acknowledging that there is a higher being and that there is right and wrong. Yeah. Which means I, that there's truth. And I think like that's something you can, that's something you can talk about and you can have a good conversation about. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think the most critical thing in this conversation, as well as really in any conversation when you're debating something contrary to one another is finding common ground in the definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is mean that I've really struggled with with people that I talk to about issues of the faith where like, the way something is defined can be very different in my mind versus your mind, David. So how are we defining spiritual? How are we defining good and bad? How are we defining, you know, morals? How are we defining religion? All of those things, before you can actually effectively have this conversation, you need to make sure that you're first actually on the same page of defining what each one of those things are. Otherwise, you're just debating two completely different opposite things using the same topic and that, or using the same, you know, name, and that doesn't do anything. You know, my, my closing thing will just be, if you want something very interesting to look at your own views, as well as to bring to the table when you're discussing the views of others. I mean, that I have found very useful in those conversations is something called Aristotle's four causes. And it kind of reminds me of what you were saying there, David, very early on of, oh, so you believe in spirits. Where did those come from? Um, and I'll just kind of very briefly go over this. And this is a podcast that I would like to do in the future. So this is a nice little preview. Um, but there's four causes. The first one is the material cause. And this is, you know, let's think of a, a dining room table. Um, that's a very common example of this. The material cause is the stuff of which the thing is made out of. So in the case of a table, that'd be your wood. Um, the formal cause is the defining factors of the thing. So let's say uh, it's a long table. So your defining factors would be it's a rectangle. It's three or it's four feet up in the air. Uh, it's dark brown, those things. Uh, the final cause would be the purpose of it. So the purpose of a dining table is to dine, to eat, to socialize at. Um, and then the last one is the efficient cause, which is really the thing that brought about the table. You know, we have the design of the table. We have the actual characteristics of the table. We have the angles, the size, the shape, what it's made out of. But ultimately, what brought that about? And your only answer is the carpenter. The carpenter designed it, built it, and brought it to actual form. And that's something that I've typically used in the spiritual life because I think it can be very easy for us to kind of say, okay, you believe that there are spirits made out of XYZ components. You believe that the purpose of the spirit is to, let's just say, guide you in this life. Um, But again, you have to just keep going back and you keep going, well, what made that? And what created that? And what created that? And eventually you get back to, there has to be an infinite being and that infinite being has to be God. Um, And so that's just kind of a side note, which we'll definitely hopefully dive into in the future, but something that I just encourage people to look into if you are having conversations with friends with opposing views frequently, like I am. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And I would love to talk more about that. We could also table it to like the other half of, spiritual but not religious in the christian specific conversation because with that you're going to have more common ground um and for that you can actually like use scripture um but that's just something that we can separate so maybe yeah two two other follow-up podcasts do you want to hear my uh very quick and lacking charity argument for the catholic church versus 
um, every other Christian church that I typically like to say. Go for it. Um, is that one through scripture, we know that Christ came for the purpose of setting a church. Um, he even says to Peter, you are my rock upon which I will build my church. And he came with a mission to form a church. Um, yep. David got it already. And if we believe that Jesus is God, we believe that he is infinite. We believe that he is without sin, without transgressions, incapable of making mistakes, which every Christian should be able to accept that fully. If we believe that to be the case, and then for us to look at Christ, the first church that was established in Christianity is the Catholic church. And it's established by Christ himself. Every other form of Christianity has been a branch off of that church. It has never been founded by anyone outside of, you know, just any Joe Schmo like you or myself. So we look to that and you say, well, if Christ is all good, if he's perfect, incapable of mistakes, and he established a church and that church is the Catholic church, well, then that's the truth. Then he couldn't have made a mistake in establishing the Catholic church. Then in reality, there really is only one option is to choose the church that he established and trust that he is guiding that church. And that's the one to follow. There's definitely a lot of other side things that come in that I would love to talk about in the future. And heck, we just keep coming up with podcast ideas. Maybe we'll talk about that too soon. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's all we have today for everyone. So thank you for listening. Um, Please be praying for us. We'll be praying for you and reach out to us with any questions, comments, or feedback at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And real quick before we go, uh, two words from our buddies over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries, who, you know, they've been releasing a lot of new rosaries over the last three to four weeks. So I definitely encourage you to go look at their new uh, their, their new stuff over there. And you even get a discount using the link in the description below and using the code that they gave us. I believe it's catch10. And, you know, lastly, we'll look at Covenant Eyes, uh, a really incredible software. We've had them on the podcast before. They've got some great software for uh, defeating the addiction to pornography. And they also provide a lot of great listening resources and reading resources. So uh, feel free to take advantage of that using the description of the below description, using the link in the description below. Um, and you'll even get a kind of a free trial there on us. So uh, until next time, thank you again. Toodaloo. See ya.